Well, good morning, church. Good to kind of be with you. Not good to see you because I can't see you, but I trust that you are out there and that we are together in the presence of God, worshiping God. Gail and I have been the last period of time, last couple of weeks in Colorado, where we love to be in the summer hiking. And, uh, but now we get to be back in the sauna here in Houston. So, uh, but it's good to be with you. And I'm excited about what God has for us this morning through His Holy Word, which is life. Pastor John Ortberg tells the story of the flying Rudellas, a family of trapeze artists. The Rudellas say that there is a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go, and the catcher is the one who catches. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. He arcs high into the air. His job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. One of the flying Rodellas said this. He said, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Church, what is true of the trapeze artist is true for you and me in the spiritual life. God is the catcher, and we are the flyer. The flyer must wait upon God in absolute trust. But, but for us, there is a big problem when it comes to us waiting, because waiting is so hard for us humans. None of us likes to wait. Most of us wait impatiently if we have to wait at a stoplight for a few moments to turn green. Or if we have to wait even a few seconds on our computer, it's not easy. We don't like waiting very long in the car line at Chick-fil-A or in the express lane at H-E-B. We don't want to wait. But church, waiting is God's plan for us because it is one of the principal ways that God teaches us. It is through waiting that God teaches us faith, dependence, patience, prayer, gratitude, and so many other things. Can you imagine if we never waited, that if we got things as soon as we wanted, as soon as we asked for them, what life would be like? Would we ever learn dependence gratitude, faith, desperate prayer, patience, any of those things, would we not begin to think of God somewhat like a genie in a bottle rather than the sovereign Lord at, for us to obey? To quote John Ortberg, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. And so, church, we wait. Let's go to a real-life story, a video story about waiting, and see if you can relate.
You guys have been praying about fostering adoption for a long time now. When did you first sense that God was calling you to this? Well, I kind of knew that um, I wanted to adopt from an early age because uh, two of my best friends were adopted. But it wasn't until we were pregnant with my third child that we actually started talking about it um, as a couple. And at that point, we didn't know if that child was going to make um, through the pregnancy, let alone if we'd have any more. And so we started talking about adoption at that point. That was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So now that you're on the other side of this long season of waiting, what do you feel like the Lord has taught you through it? Oh boy, so many things. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> One of the things that I think God has taught us um, is through the patience that it's His way and not our way. And what we thought 19, 20 years ago adoption would look like was not at all what God's plan was for us. We also have learned uh, that God has patience for us and He deals with our crying and our prayers and our whining and our complaints and all the things. So he's teaching us how to parent well in that process, I think. He's shown us really what the heart of Jesus looks like. And so we were able to uh, see that through our adoption process here. And we've got two young, beautiful boys. They weren't internationally adopted. They were right back in our backyard. So there were two kids that needed a great home and God called us to parent them. And so we're, we're so thrilled to be on this journey together with them. There's no doubt that even in the midst of those long seasons of waiting, that God is so good to us and is, is revealing more of Himself along the way and, and He's teaching us to trust Him. Uh, and I'm grateful for your story this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul and Chris Willis, for telling your story. Paul is one of our executive pastors and they are so excited about adopting these two little boys. And they have had this dream and this prayer for 20 years. At church, right now, we are all doing a lot of waiting, aren't we? I mean, we're all waiting. I mean, around the world, we're waiting on COVID to go away or to get better or to get a vaccine or something there. We're, we're, we are waiting on healing for racial tension and injustice. We are, we, we are waiting for the economy to get back normal. And, and, and then besides personally, we are all waiting upon God to work in our midst in so many areas. Waiting is part of life. Philip Yancey talked about waiting in the Bible. Quote, the Bible often centers on the act of waiting. Abraham waited for just one child. The Israelites waited four centuries for deliverance. Moses waited four decades for the call to lead them. Then four more decades for a promised land he would not attain. David waited in caves for his promised coronation. Prophets waited for the fulfillment of their own strange predictions. Mary and Joseph Anna and Simeon, Elizabeth and Zechariah, waiting like most Jews for a Messiah. The disciples waiting impatiently for Jesus to act like the power Messiah they longed for. Even his cousin John flagged, are you the one or, was, or must we wait for another? Church, we're going to spend a few weeks on the book of Psalms. 
uh, July break from the book of Acts. And today, today we're going to look at the magnificent Psalm 27, this psalm penned by David where David resolves to wait upon the Lord and how we need that during these days that we live right now. David is facing overwhelming challenges and fears, even bigger problems than we've got. But he is determined to wait on the Lord, which means to trust in the Lord. Now, every single one of us have our own set of problems and challenges and fears and God's word for you and me this morning in Psalm 27 is this. In the face of the enormous challenges that we all face in life, wait on the Lord. Keep waiting on the Lord. Keep trusting. Keep hoping in the Lord. Now, church, I'm going to read Psalm 27, this magnificent psalm. If you've got a Bible, a iPad, iPhone, whatever you've got there, turn to it. Some of you may want to stand or you may want to just sit if you're in your own home there, whatever you want to do. But here is the word of the living God to you and to me. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O oh God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O oh Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Church, this is God's word to you and to me this morning. Now, when the psalm begins, David is under siege. 
He's attacked by enemies. We don't know who these enemies are. Maybe it's a foreign army, the Philistines or somebody. Maybe it's the, one of the times when Saul is after him to kill him. Or maybe the time his own son Absalom was trying to kill him. You see, he had some uh, incredible problems and challenges. But yet in the midst of this attack, he begins this psalm, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now church, many times, when we see the word save or the word salvation in the Bible, and especially in the Psalms, it doesn't mean salvation from sin, but, but, but rescuing us from whatever the challenge is. He is our deliverer, our rescuer. Whom shall I fear if God is on my side? And the answer, nobody, no one at all, no thing at all. David is saying, because the Lord is my God, because Yahweh is my God, I need not fear anyone else. And church, that is true for you and me. If we fear God, that is, if we reverence God, then we will fear nothing else, no one else. But if we do not fear God, we will fear everyone else and everything else. And that is an indicator of the extent that we are trusting our God and fearing our God. David continues, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, the answer, no one at all. No one at all. Verse 2, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army, an entire army, encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. That's the third time that he has stated in three verses, I will not give way to fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident, that is, that I will trust. Now, he's under attack by an entire army, and yet he proclaims that he's going to trust in God rather than give way to fear. Now, now church, these are, these are fearful times right now that all of us are tempted to give way to fear. It's been said that fear is the dominant human emotion. And right now, it may be fear of COVID, fear of financial ruin, fear about racism and racial tension. It may be fear about our country and the elections and, uh, or, or even more likely some personal fear that we all struggle with. But yet God is saying to you and to me this morning, you must not give way to fear. Face your fear with faith. Face your fear by trusting the Lord. You know, it was only a few Psalms earlier, Psalm 23, where David was in a fearful time. And in Psalm 23, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Church, that is the answer to our fears during this time of COVID and, and all the uncertainties and financial collapse and all the divisiveness in our country for you are with me. You're with me, oh God. Dear friend, whatever it is that you're struggling with, would you bring it to God this morning and leave it there? Bring it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. When David thinks about the way that God has protected him, the way God has been good to him, the way God has taken care of him, his love for God just wells up within his soul. And, and church, beginning in verse 4, the next several verses 
or one of the richest passages in all the Psalms. This is how he begins it in Psalm 27, 4. He's thinking about now how God has been faithful and good. And he says this. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Church, he is not saying, I wish I could go down to the tabernacle. The temple is not there yet, remember. He's not saying, I wish I could go down to the tabernacle and that temple, that physical temple, and just gaze on the beauty of the Lord. He is talking about the presence of God, not a building. He's saying, God, may I be in your presence and see your glory and your beauty and chase after you and know you and be close to you. Here is the passion of David for God his love for God, his heart for God. He wants to be close. He wants to, to be aware of his presence, to experience his love, to gaze upon his beauty, his love. Church, this is love language. This is a million miles from religion or churchianity. This is, this is not religious ritual. This is love affair. And church, if that is not the heart and the center of our relationship with God, then we miss the point. This is passionate love. Oh, how I love the quote of Augustine, maybe our greatest theologian since the New Testament, a North African, by the way. When Augustine said this, he said, give me a man in love. He knows what I mean. Give me one who yearns. Give me one who is hungry. Give me one far away in the desert who is thirsty and sighs for the eternal country. Give me that sort of man. He knows what I mean. But if I speak to a cold man, he just doesn't know what I'm talking about. David got it, just like Augustine got it. And I hope, church, that every single one of you get it, the love and the beauty and the wonder and the glory of God, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. The reason David has such love for God is because of God's first loving him because the way God is faithful through the storms and the darknesses of life and takes care of him. And church, if David had cause to love the Lord, how much more do we do this side of the cross? This side of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on a bloody cross for our sins and giving us life and hope. How much more, church, I pray to God that we are not a cold man or woman, but that we've got fire in our soul for the Lord. And this is David's trust, he says in verse 5. He says, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. Okay, we're in a day of trouble. God's going to hide us. God's going to hide us. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. He will, church. Wait upon him. You'll see. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And how is David going to respond when God protects him? Verse 6, and, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what lovers do. They sing to the Lord. They worship the Lord because music is the language of love. This is not tepid, mechanical, go-through-the-motions worship. This is wholehearted, passionate, fervent worship. I love the quote of Wesley. 
being lost in love, wonder, and praised. Church, I hope you know that, what it means to be lost in love, wonder, and praise. David says here, I will shout with joy to the Lord. I'll sing to the Lord. I'll make music to the Lord, just like we've been doing this morning so beautifully. Above all else, church, God is looking for worshipers because worshipers are lovers, and God is looking for lovers, people who will love him back. It's the greatest commandment. It is our main duty. And how, church, we need to keep, during this season especially, the main thing, the main thing, to love the Lord, to love the Lord, to love one another, to love one another. Verse 7, David recalls, again, the, the enemies around him. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Now, now there is an intensity and a fervor to his prayers, a desperateness. And you see that in verse 8 when he says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Now, church, I, I love this verse. I love I, uh, there's such passion for God in these simple lines. I mean, um, in the Psalms especially, there are some passages that are, that are so rich, so deep with passion for God. You think of Psalm 63. You think about Psalm 23. Uh, but right here is one of those sections. David recalls, the heart of God. You have said, seek my face. And David turns to him. He says, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Church, there will be times for every child of God that we will sense our heart welling up with that same emotion, that same desire to seek God's face. We will sense God, the Spirit of God saying in our heart, seek my face. Seek my face. And I hope that when that happens, we respond like David does. Oh, Lord, I'm running to you to seek your face. I'm chasing after you, Lord God. Well, what, what does it mean, church, to, to seek the face of God? What's that, what's that mean? What's that look like? Well, it, it means that you pour out your heart to him, that you come to him, you, you sing to him, you, you read his word as if it is God's personal love letter to you because it is. You listen in quietness. Oh, God, what do you want to say to me? You give thanks to him. You draw close to him. You obey him. You seek after him. God is looking for people who will seek his face because they love him. He's looking for men and women, for boys and girls who seek the face of God. Will you be one of those people, one of his passionate worshipers? Now, one of the things about David's prayer is that David is honest with God. It is impossible, church, please hear this. It is impossible to be close to God unless we're honest with him. We, we don't bring what we should feel and say. We, we bring what we're really feeling inside because God knows it. And so we're honest with God. Now, notice how David is honest right here. Verse 9. He's saying to God, he's got a little fear welling up here. He says, hide not your face from me. He's afraid God's going to be distant. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. So even David, uh, when he has these fears that, God, maybe you'll turn from me because you know, I'm such a sinner. And, and fear wells up that maybe God would reject him. Now look at verse 10. 
He says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Have you ever felt forsaken by your father or your mother or somebody close to you, a spouse, a friend? David knew it. David knew it. Even his own father, Jesse, and his mother. I mean, we can only imagine what that must have looked like, but I can tell you one example. In 1 Samuel 16, when the prophet Samuel comes and he says to David, you know, show me your sons. And he brings his oldest son. Then he brings, that's not the king, brings the next son, the next son, the next son. And he brings all of his sons. And Samuel said, don't you have anybody else? It's not them. And then Jesse says, oh, yeah, I've got the run of the litter. He's out in the fields. I mean, do you get the sense that maybe David felt some rejection? He did. He did. But yet David could say, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Church, no matter who else rejects you, who else rejects us, God will never reject you. All his hope is in God. And now we come to the climax where we get that, that golden word wait. The last couple of verses, verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living church. And I hope we can say that this morning. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Now, this is God's challenge, God's word to you and me. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, David is encouraging others, and he's encouraging himself to wait on the Lord. Never give up on God. What he's saying to himself, sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. He's saying, keep on praying, David. Keep on hoping. Keep on waiting. Never give up. Because as long as we're seeking the Lord and calling out to the Lord, we are waiting upon the Lord. We haven't given up. David refused to quit. I love the little story about the king and queen of England in World War II when London was getting bombed and people were dying and, and many of the children in London were taken out to countrysides. People would take them in until the war got over. And the queen of England was asked, will your children be taken away from the city with all the bombing? And I love her answer. She said, the children won't leave unless I leave. I won't leave unless the king leaves. And the king won't leave under any circumstances whatsoever. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, and I know that so many of you, it seems overwhelming. May this be your firm resolve. I will not leave under any circumstances whatsoever, but I will wait on the Lord. I will trust him. I will not stop waiting no matter what. Church, a few months ago in March, about the time that COVID hit our nation, our world so hard, we had a scheduled speaker, Jack Deere. He's written a book, Surprised by the Spirit. And uh, he's got a 30 years later, he's revised that book extensively, Why I'm Still Surprised by the Spirit, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I recently reread it in Colorado, and oh, it's so good, so good. It's extensively redone. Anyway, Jack Deere was scheduled to be with us, and we've scheduled him in the fall, but 
We're all waiting on God to see if we can even do that. His wife was in a coma at one time with a lung disease. Okay, so we're talking about real stuff here. In a coma with a lung disease. And this is what he wrote. He says, I am praying for a speedy recovery. Every day, I pray that Lisa will wake up completely that day. And that black flesh, I assume black flesh in her lungs, and that black flesh will turn to pink flesh. And that gurgling lungs will stop gurgling. The answer I'm receiving is drawn out progress measured in millimeters. I am content with this rate of healing because I think God has determined this rate at least for now. Once when David was surrounded by men who wanted to kill him, he boiled down all the prayers he had ever prayed into a single verse. One thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalm 27, 4. When David saw the beauty of the Lord, he entered into a fortress that the devil could not penetrate. He received wealth greater than all the wealth the kings of the earth possessed, and his spirit danced in the realm of transcendent joy. To see the beauty of the Lord is to experience heaven while still on earth. Church, may we see the beauty of the Lord and experience heaven on earth. Going back to Jack Deere, David only used one verse of this magnificent psalm to ask the Lord to deliver him from his enemies. The Lord answered David in the last verse when God says to David and to you and me, he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David asked God to deliver him from evil men. The, Lord answered, the Lord's answer was, not yet, you have to wait on me. Waiting may be the hardest thing on earth to do, especially when you know that God has the power to make all your enemies run from their lives. Yet David's number one prayer was not to make the enemies run away, but for God to let him see the beauty of the Lord. And if David wanted to see the beauty of the Lord, he had to wait for the Lord. Church, if you and I want to experience all the love and the grace and the power and the mercy that God has for us, then we too will have to wait on the Lord. We'll have to learn to wait. Church, what are you waiting for today? A job? A marriage? A breakthrough for your marriage? A child? a healing, adoption like Paul and Chris, a loved one coming to Christ, healing from overwhelming pain, for COVID to be over, for true racial healing, breakthrough, for the economy to turn around, for something else. Church, waiting is difficult, and at times it is excruciating, but God uses waiting. He uses waiting in ways that we do not understand. It's all through the Bible. So keep on waiting. Don't despair. Don't give up. Don't take matters into your own hands or fall into bitterness. Don't rationalize or compromise. For example, if you're waiting for right marriage, don't marry a non-Christian. Wait. God has not forgotten David. God had not forgotten David. And God has not forgotten you. He will take care of you. Just you wait. 
One writer put it this way, it is important to realize that God doesn't just give us grace for the wait, the wait itself is a gift of grace. You see, waiting is not only what you will receive at the end of the wait, waiting is about what you will become as you wait. Right now, God has given you a gift in the waiting, making you more like Jesus. So Lord, give us grace to wait upon you. Church, hear God's word to you and to me this morning. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The church, let's just bow your heads right now wherever you are. And a psalm like this touches every single one of us. It certainly touches me, church. What is the main thing you're waiting on? What's the biggest burden, the biggest challenge right now that you're facing? Bring it to God. Leave it at the cross. Know that God is right there watching you. He hasn't abandoned you. Give it to Him. Surrender that burden to Him. Surrender that fear to Him. Take a few moments and do that. Oh, Lord, be with these, your people. Lord, some are just feel overwhelmed. And all of us are challenged more than we want. Lord, teach us to trust you, that you are at work right now in our lives. And it's not just we're waiting, Lord God, for the deliverance, but we are right now being made like Jesus and we trust you Lord we trust you Lord thank you that if David saw your goodness a thousand years before the cross that we after having seen the beauty and the glory and the love of Jesus shed his blood shed on a cross and and after seeing the resurrection Lord God bursting forth from the grave Oh, God, we want to see your beauty and wait on you. Help us. Each one of us, Lord, help us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.